Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast, our year in review 2020. And joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, since we only have a couple more days in 2020, I thought we'd take a look back at the year in Houston sports. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't say year in Houston sports. Maybe I should say eight (laughs) months in Houston sports because we had about four months where, where sports just stopped. Yeah, but it also you could say uh, the eternity in Houston sports because yeah, it was may have been four months here and there, but it seemed more like an eternity. Especially when I started looking back at some of these stories, Robert, I kept thinking, wait, was that this year? It seemed like it was like two or three years ago. It just the sports shutdown really affected everything. It made it seem longer ago on some of these stories anyway than it was. And, and also, one of the first things you said when you said there were a couple of days left in 2020. Oh, it just made me so happy because I'm so ready for this year to be over, aren't you? <laughs> I think about 7 billion people are ready for this year to be I don't over. think we'll get any arguments or debate on that topic. Yeah, the entire planet Earth just said, yeah, amen to that. Yep. And, you know, we're going to hit you uh, in the show with a few of our top five lists. And I want to get us off on a high note. You know, 2020 was such a low. And, and I want to get us on a high note here uh, to begin with. Uh, top five moments in Houston sports this year, the top five moments. And I'll start with number five, Stephen, going back to July 26th. Let's give some love to the Houston Dash. They beat Kaylee Ohio and the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, Kaylee's got some, you know, husband that you might be familiar with, but they, they yeah, some beat... guy named JJ, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they beat... <laughs> They beat the Red Stars to win the NWSL Challenge Cup. It was their first championship of any kind. Steven, it's weird because they couldn't win anything of note when they had the legendary Carly Lloyd or World Champions Megan Klingenberg or World Cup Champions Megan Klingenberg and Morgan Bryan. But what was cool about this is that they did this when there wasn't a whole lot of positive going on in sports in the United States or mostly the world back in July. Well, exactly. And, you know, and they traded Kaylee. You think she really wanted to be traded after that? I mean, how many times do we see that happen in sports, though? Uh, you know, when you, you trade one of your best players or you think it's something happens. It, it didn't happen for the Texans with DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. But in most cases, yeah. And and the dash, it was great to see. They were the they Houston actually did win a pro sports championship, Robert, despite all the bad things that all the other pro teams have been doing on and off the field and the court and, you know, the mishaps with college sports and things like that. Houston did have a pro sports championship in 2020. Thank you, Houston Dash. Yeah, there was even a makeshift parade, if you remember. That's uh, right. That, that sure was. And Rachel, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the forward. She was the tournament MVP. Rachel Daly, yeah. Daly, right. Rachel Daly. Let's go to number four because this one Everybody will know that this needs to be on the list because you got to go, but you got to go back to January the 4th. Texans versus Bills, wild card game, Texans trail 16 nothing in the third quarter. Deshaun had a 20 yard touchdown run where he drags two tacklers into the end zone for the first touchdown. He had the remarkable two point conversion where he turned the corner, barely got over the goal line. That makes it 16 to 8. Then Whitney Merciless, yeah, that Whitney Merciless. Uh, with the sack fumble, big play in the game. Deshaun throws a touchdown to Carlos Hyde. Texans go up 19-16 at that point. It goes into overtime, and nobody can forget this play, Stephen. Deshaun gets sandwiched by two defenders, stays on his feet. Lawson survives it. Somehow gets it to Taiwan Jones. Jones inside the 40, inside the 30, inside the 20, to the 10-yard line, Taiwan Jones. That sets up. Kaimi Fairbairn's game-winning field goal. That That's definitely my number four. You know, and, and to think, Robert, at that time, we, we weren't sure if the Texans could beat Kansas City, but little did we know that moment was going to be really the last great gasp the Texans would have. Little did we know what was going to happen the following week. I, I think that's what makes that story just all the, the, the more, I don't know what word to put to it, astounding, you know, crazy because we had no idea what was going to happen the following week. We were just so caught up in that moment. And you got the revenge for the Bills game, a semi-revenge anyway. Sort from- of, yeah. If, if you're going back to the Oiler days, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a sweet taste in the mouth there for that. 
Number three, you know, not much good happened in sports between March and July, but there was one sensational thing, and every Rockets fan knows what a big deal this is. On April 4th, one of Houston's most beloved sports figures, Rudy T., finally elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And well-deserved, too. Absolutely. You can't, you can, there's definitely not something you can argue with if you're a Rockets fan that Rudy T. should have been, and probably should have been in the Hall of Fame earlier than he was, but he got in, and that's the main thing. Number two, I'm going to go to September the 5th. And you're like, well, what happened September the 5th? Well, <laughs> this is not a play. This is not, this is a, a piece of paper and a pen is the part of this deal that gets you excited because Deshaun Watson signs a four-year extension, keeps him in Houston until 2025. We've got at least five more years beyond this one. No matter what's going on with your NFL team, Stephen, if you don't have a healthy Deshaun, you don't got a chance. Well, this is one contract, Robert. You know, we've we've been critical of a lot of these big contracts the Texans have been giving certain players. We, you know, they know, we know who they are because we've talked about them on this podcast plenty of times. But that is one contract you can't criticize. You got to lock Deshaun up. He is your hope for the future. You know, we've talked about hope over the last couple of podcasts. Well, there's your hope. You don't lock him up. You have no hope. So that is one contract. I don't. I don't care if it was. $256 million. You've got Deshaun locked up for the next few years, and that's as good a start as you need for hope for the Texans in the future. My number one top moment in Houston sports this year, the Texans fire Bill O'Brien on October the 5th. Not sure I need to elaborate on this one. <laughs> well, you know what? And and I don't remember if I said this on the podcast right after we fired him. That That's my mom's birthday. I think she may have had something to do with finally helping us out there, Robert. My mom passed away seven years ago. So, yeah, that, that day is significant for me for that reason. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was certainly long overdue, but it did finally happen. So, yeah, enough said about that, I guess. That's my first top five. What's your first top five? What do you got for me? Well, I, you know what? I, I want to, I'd like to keep the positive going, but I think I'm going to save it. I, I want to save my most positive top five until the very end, Robert, because you started on a good note. So why don't we end it on a good no note? So what my first top five is, is just the Houston sports stories of 2020, just the top five sports stories. And this may be obvious, I guess, in some ways, but I don't know. You, maybe you'll be surprised at the order they come in or that maybe something was left out. So here goes. Number five, I, I call this the Rockets implosion because this kind of encapsulates several things. The departures of Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey, the trade of Russell Westbrook, and the trade wishes of James Harden, which haven't been fulfilled as we are recording this, Robert. Could change any day, could be next month, but it is a big story. It just several things involving the Rockets that – are kind of taking them in a direction that, well, quite frankly, we, we don't know what's going to happen ultimately with, with all these moves. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of surprised that isn't higher, but there's a lot of stuff that happened this year. Give me your number four, because I, I, I'm now I'm really interested. All right, well, you're probably going to be really intrigued. Why did I put this at number four? And that's Bill O'Brien's firing, and I'll tell you why. Because it was so long overdue, it was almost anticlimactic when it finally did happen. You know, we how many times did we keep calling for it? It, it was going and go, it, it's like going, going like the Energizer bunny. It just wouldn't stop. And yeah, it's a big story, but was it really that surprising? I went for surprise element for some of my top stories, uh, a couple of them anyway. So the Bill O'Brien firing, I put it down a little bit just because, you know, it was a, it was a big story. But in a sense, it, it really wasn't that surprising, except for the fact that it took Cal McNair so long to figure out this guy needed to go a long time ago. Yeah, and that story just, there's almost, just like the Rockets, there's like 4,000 elements to it. What happened where, where he did this thing and he did that thing. And, you know, there's a lot of elements. So, and I don't know, maybe those elements are going to come up later in your list. What's, what's number three? All right, number three is Daryl Morey's departure. It was really the surprise element to me is what put him ahead of some of the, you know, a couple of the other stories. I didn't see it coming when it did. And I, I think it was big for that reason. And and obviously, it's a major move. I mean, you're losing a general manager. He wasn't fired. He chose to leave. And then the other surprise thing is he's saying, oh, I'm going to take a year or two off, you know, spend some time with my family. Then the next thing you know, he's with another team. Right. And he's not only with another team, 
he goes to another team and immediately tries to start working on getting <laughs> James Harden onto his team. And he's, you know, part of that explosion that you just talked about with the Rockets. It all comes together. Yeah, it all comes together with Daryl Morey. So my number two, and and don't worry, Robert, I haven't, I'm not going completely rogue on you here with these stories. The DeAndre Hopkins trade was my number two. It was the, the surprise element. I mean, it shocked a lot of people. What do you make of the Houston Texans trading away DeAndre Hopkins at this stage of his career and their team and not getting a first-round pick in return? I just want to shake my head for the rest of this segment, G. <laughs> and it's also a story that has begun to define the fall of the Texans and Bill O'Brien's regime. And it's one that's going to be talked about for years to come, just like a different story. You know, the, the whole surprise element, I mean, you definitely had to put that one up there. I don't know if I've been angrier at a Houston sports move in my life, except for maybe Bum Phillips. Yeah, it, it's neck and neck for me because I was so mad when, when Bum Phillips got fired. I want to say I was a freshman in college when that happened and just the, the way the whole thing went down. Well, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, yeah, I was probably about as angry as I was with the bum Phillips. And, and I think it even made less sense. I don't know. It's yeah, it's neck and neck. I don't, I don't know which one made less sense than the other, to be honest. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the bum Phillips firing we're we're almost at 40 years. Wasn't it new year's Eve and 19. 19- it was new year's Eve of 1980. Yes. Yeah. It was 1980. So yeah, we are coming up on the 40 year anniversary of that. You're, you're exactly right. All right. What's your next one? All right. Well, this this isn't going to be a real surprise. The the number one for me, it it has to be the Astros cheating scandal, not only because of just how big the story was, you know, and not just because the Astros became the most mocked and hated team in sports. But Robert, long, long after you and I are going to be six feet under in our graves, this is going to be a part of the Astros legacy forever. I mean, we still talk about the Black Sox scandal in 1919 with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox have done you know, a few things since then. I mean, they haven't been a World Series powerhouse. But 100 years from now, people are still going to link the Houston Astros, at least in my opinion, to cheating. But there's no question that it's a taint on the Astros as a team. And sadly, it's a taint on the individual people who have been sanctioned. And these are people of high achievement. I chose the Astros cheating scandal just for the long-term impact it was going to have. Yeah, the thing about what you're saying with that as your number one scandal, and you look at the your entire list, is it's the crazy thing about the year in Houston sports. All three GMs and all three coaches were fired in the same calendar year, which is remarkable. Yeah, you could almost lump them into one or two stories, I guess, it, just because of all the, it's like a domino effect, all the moves that happened after that. And uh, some honorable mentions here, you got to put the Astros uh, surprising playoff run. That was my honorable mention. So I guess you could say the Astros kind of bookended my list because not only did they have the cheating scandal to contend with, but they stumbled in the regular season. They finished under 500. They, They weren't even supposed to make the playoffs except for the extra playoff spots because of the pandemic shortened season. But when they got there, they went all the way to the ALCS before they bowed out to Tampa Bay. So I, I had to put that as at least an honorable mention in my uh, top five. So I guess it was a top six. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Astros a little bit more not too long from now. But my next list is five biggest upsets in Houston sports this year. Number five, Stephen, you and I don't get to discuss high school sports much on the show, even though we cover them as our main sources of income. You're right, right. But on November 5th, Katie area high school the Tompkins Eagles from the Katy area beat the Katy Tigers 24-19 why is that a big deal well it ended Katy's 75 game district winning streak Katy's last loss in league play 2008 they've been a national juggernaut now for 20 years didn't slow Katy down much because I covered their blowout win this past week they're in the finals Final eight, anyway, yet again. I also covered Tompkins getting blown out by the second-ranked North Shore Mustangs on Christmas Eve, so it didn't exactly vault Tompkins into the state championship or anything. But you know what? Let's give it up for the Katie Tompkins Eagles. Uh, When I say upset, 
maybe that's not what a lot of people think of in Houston sports, but trust me, if you beat Katie in the regular season and district play, it's a big deal. Well, and you can almost equate that, you know, especially when you're talking about a winning streak, Notre Dame basketball beating UCLA and snapping their big winning streak in 1974. What was it? You know, 76 or something in a row. So, you know, that's a big deal and it's high school sports. And yeah, that is, that is definitely an upset that you got to put in that top five. Number four on my list, I said I was going to get back to the Astros. Let's go to September 30th. And after only a 29 and 31 injury plagued season, the Astros go up against Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. They're the sixth seed. You think, oh, that's going to be a quick end of this season. But they sweep the Twins in a best of three. We started seeing the emergence of two extraordinary young pitchers, Valdez and Javier, with two big-time performances that helped carry the staff in those two games. But it, it was a big upset. I mean, you can't deny it, even though we think Astros winning in the playoffs these days is not a big upset. It, it was this year. Well, it was an upset, and it made a whole bunch of people across the country angry because how many people do you think were watching their televisions just to see the Astros lose so they can go, see there, they can't even win without cheating. They, they've got to, you know, they they... They deserve to be out. So, you know, not only was it an upset, made a whole bunch of people mad, and they just kept making people mad and kept winning at least until they got to the ALCS. But they even made that exciting. Yeah, the Twins, by the way, that team, you figure, oh, well, they're they're not a good playoff team. So my number three biggest upset was the Astros beating the A's in the ALDS thanks to a huge series by Correa and Altuve, the most memorable part of the series, Stephen, maybe the most memorable part of the season, if you're an Astros fan, was that Correa conversation, or maybe I should say inspirational mound visit to Framber Valdez. That was fun. Yeah, we saw the emergence of Carlos Correa as a leader. I think we even said this on the podcast during the Astros pod, uh, postgame shows that we did, Robert. Carlos Correa's on-field talents, defensively and offensively, they came through in the postseason, but I was just so moved by the fact that he really became a leader on that team during this postseason. And that conversation with Framber Valdez, that, that just cemented it in my mind. Now he is in a serious pep talk with Framber Valdez, and that has everything to do with don't let these guys talk to you that way. You show them. Yeah, that way. Leader. Number two on my list. Oh, brother, this was a big upset. Not, like, not that long ago, December the 5th, the Rice Owls football team not only beat 21st-ranked Marshall, you know, that's big enough, but they shut them out. The Owls shut out a Marshall team who was scoring 37 points per game, which gave Rice their first top 25 win in 23 years. Yeah, I mean, that, that has to rank up there as one of the biggest upsets in college sports in a long time. I mean, I know you see powerhouse Division One teams, you know, losing to a Division Three school, things like that, but I, I mean, the, the way Rice dominated Marshall, and we talked about that too, is that, that's really what surprised me. So, yeah, that definitely, I, I would put that if I were doing an upset list, I, it'd probably be my number one. It would certainly be in my top three like you have. All right. I, I want to say my number one biggest upset was how excited I was to watch the Houston Renegade games in the XFL <laughs> because I wasn't oh, you expecting mean the Roughnecks. Them. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. the Houston Roughnecks. The, I'm sorry, the, the Renegades. That's, that was the Dallas team. I shouldn't say that. But, that's um, it. Yeah. But uh, l l let's be honest. The biggest upset in Houston sports this past year we got to go back to the same guy. It's Bill O'Brien finally got fired. It's still an upset, Stephen. It's still an upset. Well, yeah, it's an upset, and I, you know, but the the only person who's probably upset about it is Bill O'Brien himself, because most <laughs> of the rest of us are celebrating. <laughs> What's your next top five? Well, I have two lists left, Robert. One of them is it's kind of sad, I'll admit, and the other is very positive. So I think I want to save the positive to the end. Let's end on a good note. So my next list involves. Just, you know, we, we lost a lot of people in 2020, not just in, you know, across the nation, but in Houston sports. And I'm going to, for the most part, I'm going to keep this Houston sports related. I call it the, the top five, those who've gone before us list. Now for my number five pick, it wasn't a Houston sports person per se. This is more of a sentimental pick for me because I knew him personally and I covered him back in the 1980s. I'm talking about former Texas football coach, Fred Akers who passed away just a couple of weeks ago. I, I had the pleasure of covering Fred in the 1980s, knew him well, great guy. 
You know, I mean, we could, if we, if we have to connect a Houston sports thing here, he did coach Earl Campbell in his final season. So then he has an indirect tie to Houston sports, but just a, a big loss. And, you know, like I said, I just a sentimental pick for me. I had to put him in my top five. 86, 31 and two in 10 seasons at Texas. Yeah. And as I said on the podcast where we talked about it a little bit, you know, he replaced Daryl Royal when Daryl Royal retired. So uh, that, that just, I had to put that in there. My number four pick, former Astro Jimmy Wynn, you know, the, the toy cannon. I mean, I started watching the Astros in 1972, and when he was traded, I believe the following year, I believe it was 1973. So I got to watch him a couple of years with the Astros, but he fast became one of my favorite players. Just just watching him play, it was just, and, and the toy cannon, man, you can't beat that for a nickname, can you? No, and I'm interested because you, you, this means you've got to put Astros higher and lower because we still got some more Astros. Like you're 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 nitpicking which Astros you like more. If we do yeah, doing... well, I guess so. <laughs> um, but I'll I'll go to my number three. It's not an Astro actually. It's Bill Yeoman, former University of Houston coach. What a pioneer! Not just with the Veer offense, but you know another class guy. And look, the Cougars came into the Southwest Conference in 1976. They weren't supposed to do anything. They, in fact, they were. They were. A lot of people were picking them to be the laughing stock of the conference. Who's this tiny little independent school, the University of Houston? I mean, they're not in a tiny city, but nobody took them seriously. First year they go in the Southwest Conference. They not only win the conference, they win the Cotton Bowl against Maryland. I watched that game. They almost beat Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl the following year, and then they lose to uh, they beat Nebraska a couple of years later. I mean, Bill Yeoman just wins, 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 class guy off the field. And, you know, he was in his 90s when he passed away, but he fought COVID-19 about as hard as he fought to win on the football field. We thought he had overcome it. Unfortunately, he didn't. He, he passed away shortly thereafter. But, yeah, big loss. Had to put Bill Yeoman at number three. Coach, 46 All-Americans, 69 NFL players, you said all the rest of it. I mean, if, if if people haven't listened to it, go back and check out earlier this year our tribute to Bill Yeoman. A lot of these guys that we're talking about on your list here, Stephen, we've done podcasts on them, remembering them. So it's it's definitely worth going back and listening to some of those if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're in the archives, so give those a listen. I know you've interviewed some people who who knew those guys, some of those guys well. You know, Robert, as I get to my number two list, I, I thought about this this morning, and I probably should have switched these guys. I, I just, but I, I stuck with it. Joe Morgan, you know, he wasn't an Astro all the time, but he was there a couple of different times. And I kind of wonder, you know, what would have happened if Joe had stayed with the Astros and that big trade that Speck Richardson did make that, that put him to the Reds? What could he have done? You know, he did come back to help the Astros in the 1980 season, especially when they were in the postseason. So, yeah, I ranked Joe Morgan higher than Jimmy Wynn, probably should have flip-flopped him and had Jimmy win number two, but you know, that as the country song goes, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Joe Morgan. What can you say? I mean, we're talking about what is he top three, top four, second baseman of all time, if not the yeah, best and a hall of famer. So I guess that there's something to be said for that. Commissioner Vincent, president white, president Brown, honored guests and fellow hall of famer. I learned to play baseball in Houston. Because when I my first year in the major leagues, I had teammates, Nellie Fox, Bob Lillis, Eddie Casco, Joe Gaines, Bob Aspermani, Jimmy Wynn, Rusty Staub. I had a lot of great teammates my first year. But I learned so much my first year from Nellie Fox and Bob Lillis that most guys take five years to learn the things I learned that first year. So I knew how to play baseball when I went to Cincinnati. So my number one, another former Astro, definitely one of my favorite players. He he got me in trouble in school without ever knowing it. I told this story before on the podcast, Robert. So if you remember it, you know who my number one, those who've gone before us person is, and that's Bob Watson of the Houston Astros. And of course, he was with the Yankees and with Major League Baseball, but Astros fans will always remember Bob Watson. And if you missed the story that I told a few months ago, Bob Watson got me in some trouble in elementary school without him even knowing who I am. We were supposed to do an assignment, a term paper. It was a little essay, actually. I think I was in fifth grade. 
of, you know, what would we like to do, you know, when we grow up, what would we like to do? And I wrote on my paper that I wanted to sign a contract and play baseball with the Houston Astros, with my former player, Bob Watson, or with my favorite player. So the teacher comes back and starts screaming at me that I'm not being realistic. I meant do something that you can really achieve and, you know, that you know that you can do. I'm talking about right now, not now, not later. So I had to write something else. So thanks to Bob Watson, I got in trouble, but it was okay. It was worth it. And he was worth it. Teachers just out there killing killing dreams, Stephen. They're killing well, your dreams. Well, and she was a substitute teacher. You know, that's what was so funny about it. So she didn't even teach in a regular. It was a substitute teacher, and she's trying to act like she's the regular teacher. I, I actually thought it was kind of funny myself. I didn't get too upset about it, now that, to tell the truth. But Bob was my number one those who've gone before us, top five. And I know, you know, there are some others you you wanted to kind of talk about too that may not have been on my list. I'm, you know, there are some others I certainly could have put on there too. Yeah, Dennis Menke, who we just uh, paid tribute to. We did a show uh, a couple weeks ago, former right. Astros player and coach died at age 80. Luckily, most of these guys, I mean, with all the COVID stuff that's happened this year, Watson was 74, Wynn was 78, Morgan was 77, Menke was 80, Akers was 82, Yeoman was 92. I mean, yeah, you want everybody to live into their 90s and 100s and all that sort of stuff. But thankfully, we didn't let lose anybody that, that young. I mean, Art Howe was a little bit, you know, he was a little bit iffy at one point this year. Remember when he had the virus? That's right. We, we were kind of scared that he might be one of them. Thank goodness he pulled through. A couple of people that we, we didn't mention this year a little bit later. But, you know, Stephen, with all the Houston sports people that passed away, uh, and all the people that have passed away this year, maybe the most important Houston athlete who died this year was a little-known tight end at a Yates High School who went on to play power forward at Texas A&M Kingsville. It was the eight minutes and 46 seconds that sparked protests around the country and around the world. It's George Floyd. That's your number one uh, Houston sports figure that died this year. That's exactly right, Robert. And, and you know, I, and it took a couple of days for me to realize George Floyd went to Yates High School. And that's significant for me because I went to Yates High School. Now, obviously, I'd, I went way earlier than George Floyd, so I didn't know George. But, you know, he did play football and basketball. He was an athlete. And just, the, you know, the, the unfortunate situation that caused him to probably be the biggest headline of, you know, not just sports, but the, the story across the nation that really set off the whole social justice thing. It was so unfortunate, but yeah, I can't argue with that, Robert, the, the number one athlete slash person, you know, slash whatever you want to call it, George Floyd would definitely be it. One of the losses that I missed from a couple of months ago, both of us missed this one was Margot Graham, who was the first yeah. university of Houston women's basketball player to make the WNBA. She died of a stroke at 49 there was also a former UH quarterback and baseball player, David Hoosman, who passed away from COVID a couple of weeks ago. He was a Houston area guy, went to high school at Madison, then went, to, went and played it with the Cougs back in the early 70s. And after his playing days, he became one of the winningest coaches in Texas high school football. He won a couple of state titles for Schulenburg in the early 90s, even took the Weimers girls golf team to a state title nine years ago. Yeah, I, I must admit, I missed David Hoosman. I, I missed him passing away. I, I didn't catch that story. Now, I did I, I did hear about Margot Graham. In fact, she was on my honorable mentions. I didn't mention the, the two honorable mentions because I wanted you to get through your list. But she was on there along with Dennis Menke. I had Dennis on there, too. But, yeah, I, I missed the, the loss of David Hoosman. I, somehow that one escaped me. My next top five is top five best surprise gifts Houston sports received. So we're going to we're going to end with a couple of positive lists here. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Number five. Maybe it's too early to have a verdict on this, but how about Christian Wood? Three years, forty one million dollars. A big man who shoots threes. He's only twenty five years old. And Steven, he's the Rockets most talented free agent signing since Dwight Howard. Right. I think you are absolutely right. He may not have had the the impact, you know, pre-signing impact, Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard, there were, you know, the Rockets actually had a chance to trade for Dwight Howard. That made big headlines. That didn't happen. And then they signed Dwight Howard. So it may not have gotten the headlines that the, Dave, uh, the Dwight Howard signing did. But as far as making an impact, yeah, a very small sample size. But I am so excited, Christian. I'll definitely take that gift and open it up and be enjoying that past Christmas, that's for sure. 
Right. And I'm not saying he's better than Dwight Howard. I'm just saying since Dwight Howard, Rockets free agent signings, he's yeah. the most talented one that I can think of. No offense to P.J. Tucker, but... <laughs> they're, they're yeah, ha- but I think he's going to have more of an impact than P.J. Tucker. And, and P.J. has definitely made his contributions. We're, we're not sliding him, but, you know, a lot of the Rockets' big acquisitions since Dwight Howard have been by trade. So you're right. Yeah, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Uh, speaking of gifts, number four, we're talking about gifts. How about the parting gift that Jeff Luno gave us? Oh, thank you, Jeff. His last trade was Jake Marisnik for Blake Taylor, the Blake Taylor with a 2.18 ERA this year as a rookie, the Blake Taylor with a 1.59 ERA and eight playoff appearances. And here's something for you, Stephen. When was the last time the Astros had a good, young lefty out of the bullpen? Do we got to go back to Billy Wagner? You probably do have to go back to Billy Wagner. And yeah, I, I was starting to say that uh, maybe that's the only gift that Jeff Luno gave us that isn't tainted. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number three, my next gift had all of 12 games in double A before he made his ma- major league debut this year. Anoli Paredes went from a baby rookie reliever in late July to the Astros fans most trusted reliever by October. He was dominant in the postseason, except for that one bad appearance. His whip in seven postseason appearances was one. He gave up three hits. And seven innings. Man, I tell you what, if there's a guy that that I'm pulling for to to continue that kind of success, it's Anoli Paredes because his stuff is absolutely electric. Love watching him on the mound. He he has just got the such great stuff, and he, he'll blow it by you. I mean, you got to be ready for it. So yeah, that is one player I am really going to be pulling for for next season and uh, the seasons to come as long as he's with the Astros. And I mentioned whip for him and the other whip that he's got that's really good is the one attached to his right shoulder. That, yeah, that, yeah. That is some mean whip too, let me tell you. Number two of my top five Christmas gifts that Houston Sports received. Might as well stay with the Astros because it was an early Christmas with their pitching staff. You got to go with Christian Javier, whose whip was under one during the 12 regular season appearances that he had, but he, you know, God, he was even more impressive in the postseason. He goes from starter to bullpen bulldog, logging nine and a third innings and posting a 2.89, 2.89 ERA. Stephen, his arm is for real. It is for real. And, and while, yes, it is a gift, Robert, I, I totally agree with you. In my mind, it wasn't a big surprise gift because I've been watching him in the minor leagues and I just knew this guy was going to make an impact. Now, I did not expect him to make it quite so soon, but I figured he was maybe a year away, maybe less than that. Who knows what would have happened if COVID-19 hadn't come along? You know, we might not have seen Christian Javier this soon, and then maybe we would have, but I knew it was going to be soon because I, I just, I liked what I saw with him. So it wasn't as big of a surprise except for the fact that yeah, he really did make an impact early, much earlier than expected. The gifts just kept coming over at Minute Maid because you're probably seeing where I'm going with this oh, one. Yeah. My number one on the list, it's a landslide. It's Framber Valdez, MVP of the 2020 Astros season. If you combine regular season and postseason, he's the MVP. 10 starts, 3.57 ERA made him the ace of the staff in the postseason. Just brilliant. Four games, 1.88 ERA. With Verlander's injury and the deterioration of Granke, Framber Valdez is the ace of the staff going forward. You know what's so gratifying about that gift, Robert, is we kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Framber Valdez to figure it out because we knew he he had the stuff. That wasn't the issue. And he was a lefty. That's even better. But we just kept, when is, he, when is this guy going to figure it out? And I think Dusty Baker had a conversation with him in January or or at some point after he took over as Astros manager and just told him, you know, he gave him some pointers about what he noticed a former teammate of his named Fernando Valenzuela used to do when he would get in trouble. And I don't know if it was that or just a combination of other things, but Fromber obviously took something to heart because, man, was he spectacular. Now, can he do it again next year? God, I hope so, Robert, because the Astros have got to have him if especially it doesn't look like, you know, Justin Verlander thinks he's going to come back in 21, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But Framber Valdez has got to be the ace of this staff. Or somebody's got to step up, and I sure hope it's him. He's one of those gifts that when you take him out of the box, you better make sure that the batteries are included. And the batteries for Framber Valdez apparently is his off-season psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, something. I mean, it, it obviously was a mental thing because, as we said, we knew he had the physical talent. He just needed to get it between the ears, as they used to say. And boy, did he get it in 2020. What's your next top five? All right, my last top five, and it, it's kind of along the same lines as what you had with the top gifts. I, I, you know, I came up with a top five plus some honorable mentions success stories in Houston sports in 2020. So it's kind of along the same line. And Robert, I must admit, that was the first list I put together because I was bound and determined to come up with a list that was going to be positive in a year that was almost anything but positive for most of us in 2020. I, I was going to do it if it took me all night, and it practically did. And I'm amazed that I came up with five things. I actually came up with more than five. So I have a, a, some honorable mentions here. But my number five, and this was a story that was under my radar until I saw it, Robert, and that is high school basketball sports in the Houston area. You had Yates, Fort Bend Hightower, Dickinson, and Stafford all preparing for the UIL State Tournament in San Antonio last March, and then the shutdown ended those dreams. But they got there, so I guess we'll be left to fantasize about how many titles the Houston area might have had if that tournament had been played. Now, the teams were all presented with uh, some trophies and individual medals, I think, a month later by UIL. But that's a story that was kind of under the radar. But, man, I had to put that in the top five. Boy, you make it positive. For me, it was just so sad because the teams had gotten to San Antonio. They had found out about everything once they were they were told to go. I mean, you get on the bus and you got to go home after making the drive up there. And Yates was scoring 100 a game. They were. They were. Yeah, that, that is the sad part about it. And, you know, I mean, if it had been something that the cause the, the teams themselves did to cause them to, to miss it, it might not have been there. But, yeah, what could have been, and that's kind of why I put that in there, is I guess we'll just have to fantasize. Well, what would have happened if they had been there? But I had to include it just because, you know, you got four of those area teams all in the state playoffs together. Man, what could have been. So, yeah, I tried to put a positive spin on that. And the number four, Robert, you touched on it earlier, the only pro championship. And, of course, I'm talking about the Dash. You know, they captured the, the only Houston pro sports title in 2020. It was the Challenge Cup. Uh, it was over the summer. And uh, that that's just you got to hang on to whatever championships you can get in the Houston area because there sure weren't many. Yeah, the Dynamo, not not so much. They they had a pretty rough season this year. So get, get, let's get to number three. Gets us some some uh, some more good stuff. Number three is the Cougars basketball team. You know, if not for the shutdown caused by the pandemic last spring, I mean, again, what might have been? Because the team would have been in the NCAA tournament. They clinched a share of the AAC crown just days before the shutdown occurred. And as we record this, Robert. The Cougars are unbeaten this season, and they're ranked number six in the nation. So, you know what? No matter what the Rockets end up doing, man, the, the Cougars are still making great things happen in college basketball. And I'm going to throw a positive on, on what was not a good situation over the last few weeks of 2020 with the Cougars. They, they went through the COVID stuff where a bunch of people got COVID on the team and had to be isolated, and they, had to, they, they couldn't play. But you talk about where they're ranked now. Boy, we got a lot to look forward to in 2021 because if they've got their COVID stuff out of the way, if they've already had it, it looks like you're, you're not going to likely have it again, which means I'm so fascinated at what they're going to do next year. Well, you certainly hope not. And just the fact that they overcame that and they're still winning. I mean, that's what really got me is, you know, some teams could have lost their momentum. They, they could have just completely shut down and, and started losing ball games. But no, they, I mean, the, that whole shutdown for them, didn't affect them because they've come back and won the games that they played, every one of them, since that whole situation. So got to hand it to the Cougs. And my number two, you mentioned it earlier, and got to put it on this list if you're going to talk about success stories. But Rudy T making the Hall of Fame. I mean, the coach who led the Rockets to back-to-back -to -back NBA titles, finally selected for the Naismith National Basketball Hall of Fame last April. 
Should have been a long time ago. Yeah, I know he's an opponent now because he's a consultant with the Timberwolves, but he's always going to be a Rocket in my heart and in the hearts of many Rockets fans, for sure. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, you know, I mentioned his name earlier, but I'm seeing Billy Wagner. He's on a lot of lists these days for the Cooperstown. Man, we sure need to get him in there. He deserves it. I mean, if you're going to let some of these other guys in, you got to give Billy a shot. I I wish Billy was my number one success story this year, but uh, unfortunately it's not. But it does relate to the Astros, Robert. That's a good segue. And I kind of lumped it all into one here. You know, you you mentioned individual gifts, and we've talked about this to some extent with the team. But I put the Astros' young players shining as my number one success story in a year that saw the team rocked with scandal, a sub-500 season that resulted in making the playoffs only because, you know, they had those extra spots. You had the rookies, long shots that gave a team a spark that was desperately needed. Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Blake Taylor, Enoli Paredes, Andre Scrub, we can't forget him. Brooks Rayleigh uh, made some contributions, and we can't forget that finally, finally got Kyle Tucker as a regular everyday player who came through this season as another guy that, you know, we kept waiting and waiting. Well, when is Kyle Tucker going to figure it out? Well, you know, it's only been one season, but we still have to hope that maybe uh, Kyle has figured it out. So the Astros, the the young players, I kind of call them the Astros young players shine was my number one. And that, you know, I've got a couple of, uh, I've got a couple of honorable mentions unless you want to say something about the number one that you haven't already said. No, what are, what are your honorable mentions? Because the, the Astros stuff, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. That, that is the biggest one. Well, the title that wasn't, uh, but I still like to think it could have been. You mentioned them earlier, Robert, the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, it seems like an eternity since they played five games in the remodeled XFL season. They won them all. They were unbeaten, the only unbeaten team in the league. And that's as far as the season went before the pandemic. And bad league management canceled the season, made the league go into bankruptcy. They couldn't play a title game. But, hey, the Roughnecks were Houston's undefeated pro football team. And who knows what could have happened if they'd gotten a championship game to play. Another sad, sad result of of the virus. Good old COVID. And my other honorable mention, Robert, I have to put Deshaun on this list. No, the Texans, you know, they weren't successful as a team. I mean, as we're recording this, they're 4-11. and They have one game left. But look, Deshaun has had an outstanding year individually. Even when he's taken a beating, he's just, he's, he's hung in there. He's the only exciting thing, really, about an otherwise dismal Texan season. He even made the Pro Bowl despite a losing record. So that tells you other people around the league are noticing. And he found success in his bank account. You already mentioned it that $156 million extension. But I don't think most Texans fans are complaining about that one bit. Yeah, and if you look at those last two lists that we had, it's another real positive, bigger story that's going on is that you feel like there's much more hope going into next year than we had a few months ago. Because if you go back a few months, it looked like the Astros, it was a disaster with obviously the scandal and, you know, Verlander goes down, Osuna goes down. I mean, if you look at middle of the year, it was bad. And you look at the Astros going forward with all these young pitchers that we're talking about and all of, all of these young players, Kyle Tucker included, Jordan Alvarez should be coming back. So that's another thing to look forward to. But you've got so much to look forward now with the Astros that we, we didn't know if if the run was going to be over with here, maybe this coming year, maybe this year was going to be the last year or something like that. So, you know, that makes me look forward to to 2021, but also, you know, you just said it, Deshaun Watson, not only being as good as he's ever been, but you know, he's just, he looks like the guy that's the leader of the team. There's just something about Deshaun this year that I think I like more than any time that I've seen Deshaun Watson. And Steven, the other thing about the Texans is, hey, I mean, we don't have Bill O'Brien anymore. They're hopefully going to bring in a coach that Deshaun and JJ both sign off on. So it should be somebody that's a more positive human being in that building. I don't know if they're going to be competent, you know, the GM and the coach, but at least it'll be somebody that we can root for going forward 
and, and having Deshaun with that person. Well, it's certainly better be, Robert, because Texans fans have had enough of negativity, not just on the field, but uh, as far as the coaching is concerned. And, you know, we said it off the top that uh, we all can't wait for 2020 to be over and we're hopeful for 2021. And, and you know, look, we're not out of the woods yet with this COVID. It's still going to be a rocky period to go through. But I think as you you said it perfectly, Robert, with these last two lists that we brought, there is something to look forward to. There, there is hope. There, there's hope for the Texans because of Deshaun Watson. There's hope for the Astros because of some of these young guys. There's hope for the Rockets because of Christian Wood, Steven Silas, you know, small sample sizes, but, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with James Harden, but as long as he's there and he's scoring 40 points a game, there's hope that the Rockets are still going to be a good team. There's hope that maybe pro sports is figuring things out and we're not going to have a long shutdown like what we had in 2020. So we can at least play most of the games that we hope to play. There, There's going to be some cancellations. I mean, it's just going to happen. It's already happened. We're going to have to deal with that. But as we look forward to 2021, I'm clinging to whatever hope I can. And, you know, you talk about Bill O'Brien. Hey, we're starting off 2021 and Bill O'Brien's not the coach. That's starting off a good year right there. <laughs> because by this time last year, when we started 2020, he was still the coach. So there, there's a, some good hope right there. You mentioned a bunch of things with the Rockets. One thing that you didn't mention, I think is, is worth mentioning is John Wall looked really, really good when he was playing. And it's unfortunate that, you know, he, he had a rest game, the last preseason game. Um, he, he, he's got the COVID stuff going on, so he hasn't been able to play. But, you know, that gives you hope that if you get something for James Harden, even if he doesn't stay here, that you can keep something going because John Wall and, like you said, Christian Wood, um, they've got some real juice to them and throw in the fact that there are guys that are young and fun to watch with the Rockets that bring energy in so many times, Stephen. How many times have we seen over the last few years, last two decades? Because this goes back to McGrady and Yao. There were times where the Rockets would come out and they would just look dead, no energy. And, and I can't imagine that happening with this this Rockets team. No, certainly not. I mean, the every other night thing is going to test their energy. But but just the, the fact that, you know, the way they hustle, that the Rockets, have, you could accuse them so often of just standing around waiting for plays to materialize instead of just moving, you know, showing some movement, some hustle, going after loose balls. That's what I think we're going to be excited to see. And let's not forget DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, we're hoping that he can have the same kind of prove-it year that John Wall wants to have, that he wants to prove somebody, you know, everybody wrong, that he can't come back from having the injuries that he's had. So we're pulling for DeMarcus Cousins to make an impact because at one time, even though he had a bad attitude and, you know, had some run-ins with uh, coaches and off-the-court things, DeMarcus Cousins was a good player before those injuries came. So we just have to hope that he also brings some tenacity, some renewed energy, and the talent that the Rockets need, you know, to keep going forward. Yeah, it feels like it's a lot tougher than it ever has been to find silver linings and things. But, you know, I, I hope we brought something to, you know, your – Thinking of 2020 and, you know, maybe the best thing that could have ever happened to the Astros was um, some of the stuff that happened to them this year with the injuries, because, you know, that's where we really got a chance to see these young guys emerge. And maybe, you know, without these injuries, some of them get traded. You don't see them in an Astros uniform, but because Verlander and Osuna and, you know, all of these pitchers that they had go down with injury we got to see them in an environment that was a you know kind of an easy environment in a way because they had didn't have to deal with fans and and that's a big deal when you're a rookie and you walk into a stadium and there's 40,000 people booing you which 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 is what would have happened to the Astros every single game exactly and that's something that they may still face once fans are allowed to get in the stands and that's when you're going to see the real test of these guys but, you know, Robert, and whether we like it or not, and honestly, I don't always like it, but oftentimes adversity does make us stronger. And I guess the, the biggest hope for me is what all, what all of us have been through in 2020, and let's face it, we were touched by COVID-19, even if we ourselves didn't come down with it. Most of us, I think, have been touched by it in some way, whether we knew somebody that had it and either recovered or unfortunately didn't recover from it. 
And, you know, many of us have been touched by the social injustice and just the, the unrest that's going on in our country in some way. My biggest hope for 2021 is that adversity that we've been going through will make us stronger, that we will get through this. And I just hope that we come out better, not only in the sports landscape, but as a country. I mean, we can... We can only hope, right? I mean, that's all we have to, to cling to right now. Well, I'll, I'll connect it to sports because you, you go back to the Jim Valvano, North Carolina State, uh, 30 for 30, which I can't watch because I'm a Houston Cougars fan. But yeah, the title of it is called <laughs> Survive and Advance. And that's what 2020 is about. If you could survive it, we might be able to advance. I think that's a perfect way to end the podcast, survive and advance. Uh, That's what I want to do in 2021, and that's my hope for you, Robert, and for all the listeners out there. Happy New Year. And I also, before I go, want to thank all of our listeners who have listened for the last year, who've listened to us uh, for years now. We are going to hit our eighth year if we can keep this thing going for another few months, Uh, but we'll we'll have put in eight total years by – September of 2021, we're in the middle of our eighth year of Houston Sports Talk as a podcast with a great guest and, you know, fantastic job by uh, Stephen and before that, RG, and just uh, really appreciate all of your feedback, everybody that's messaged us and said said that they've appreciated the show. We can't thank you enough. Um, If you want to let us know what you think, you can always message us through Twitter, Facebook, or our email address, info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. And as we always say, and this has been the theme for the year, stay healthy and safe, everybody. In the air, center field, Correa's watching. This is back, and it's gone! It's a walk-off home run! Carlos Correa! Astros win! You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.